Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. I'm talking about the storms of life today. Everybody's going to face storms. You might be in a storm this morning. You might be in a great time, but also a storm also at the same time. And so I want to talk about that. Nations go through storms. Nations go through turbulence. Nations, continents go through difficulties. People groups go through difficulties. And uh, however, we've got a, we've got a God that, that works with us, that we serve him, and he knows how to navigate us and get us through difficult times, difficult times with finances, difficult times with land deals, difficult times in marriages, difficult times with our children, difficult times when you've been criticized or misunderstood or more misrepresented, difficult times and sicknesses and infirmities and so forth. And one of the things that's been on my heart is to talk about, but not today so much, is about foundations because we've embraced churchianity, which is awesome. But when a thing like the COVID came through, uh, it wasn't so much on the Cook Islands, but people fled and they haven't come back because they had a relationship with a building. They had a relationship with people, but the foundation we've got to have, we must have the foundation with Jesus Christ. If you have the foundation with him, you become unshakable and 10 steps ahead of the enemy. And so we've got to make sure that we're founded really well going ahead. And I say that prophetically because there are things that are going to come. We need to make sure our foundation is in the word of God. And it's just not understanding what the Bible says. It's living in the abundance of God's Holy Spirit that engineers and pushes us and navigates us through. That's all important for us. And so the foundations are absolutely going to be very critical for the church. What have we built on? Because everything like Zach said is one day going to be shaken. That is a reality. Everything is going to be shaken. Our businesses, our, our investments, these things can be shaken overnight. And people backslide. They blame God. They get upset. Uh, a marriage can be shaken. Or a wife might get upset with a church. Someone want to leave. But the husband just says, oh, okay, rather than working to reconcile and, 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 and stand up for it and, and pray the thing through, things get shaken at times. Relationships get shaken and, uh, and so forth. So, so let's talk about this. Are you with me? I've written here, stay the course. There are places you can't stay. There are places you've got to move on. We must move on. We must move forward. We're embarking upon a brand new year, 2023, that has a particular kind of anointing on it. It's going to be different from this year. And uh, stay the course. Now, there's a word here in the Bible that refers to God. God has multiple names. And I said once that uh, when we get to know God, we've got to know his names. Because his names and his character are synonymous. They're together. You can't separate God's name from who he is. So when you say God is, um, God's name is love, God is love. Okay? So when you say a word like this about being a shepherd, God is a shepherd. So he thinks in terms of shepherding terms, embracement, loving, and gathering, and nurturing. That's how God thinks. Um. And so we've got, the, we've got here a word here. It's Yahweh, Rohi, which means the Lord, our shepherd. The backdrop is David. David's a shepherd. Boy, looking after sheep. He gets a revelation in Psalms that, hey, how I'm looking after the sheep is actually how God looks after us. And I want to talk about how God shepherds you through a trial. God shepherds you through a crisis this morning. 
the storms of life. And uh, so uh, John 16, 4, Jesus talks about these things, okay? In other words, these things. There are sometimes these things. I'd rather get rid of these things and have some other things going down. Be nice. But he talks about these things are coming. And uh, so anyway, so when we, when we get into this, I want to present to you a case this morning. There are two basic bottom line ways the enemy attacks us. Okay, there are two basic bottom line ways. The first thing the Bible says, he comes as a roaring lion. Not the lion of the tribe of Judah, but he comes as a roaring lion. In other words, it's intimidating. It's obvious. It comes with force. It comes with drive. It's like your whole world appears to be out of control. It's when you least expect it, that's how he comes. He comes to knock you off your course. The scripture for us, uh, we find is in um, uh, 1 Peter 5.8, and it talks about being sober, be vigilant. That word means to be discreet. In other words, don't weaponize the enemy there. Be discreet. Because your adversity, the devil walks like or walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, why I want to camp on this is this reason. The word seeking is important because it's exactly the same word that was used about Jesus. He comes to seek and save that which is lost. So it means he looks with intensity. He is purposeful and deliberate about going down the highways and byways, seeking someone to bring them into the household of God, to bring them into the faith. The devil, counterfeitly, if you like, is also a seeker, and he's seeking opportunity. Do not give the devil an opportunity or a position to operate from. He's seeking pride. He's seeking ego and pretense. He's seeking a root of offense or bitterness. He's seeking a little bit of greed or something. That's where he seeks. Okay, so the first one, he comes like that. In other words, he comes with force. He comes with drive and so forth. That's the first way he comes. How many of you feel like you've ever experienced that in life? Anybody? And it's almost your whole world feels like it's falling down overnight. Has anybody ever felt that? Be honest. I want to talk to some real people this morning. Not just some uh, smiles. I want to talk to real people. The second way he comes, this is real stuff. This is not like, oh, there's a fantasy story. This is really how he works. According to his job description or his mandate, John 10, 10, steal, kill, and destroy. So he comes to knock you out like that, to wound you. The second presentation that he comes as is like an opportunity, huh? An angel of light. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen 14 says, And no wonder for Satan himself transforms or disguises himself into an angel of light. He transforms himself into something he's not because he's been given over from being once an angel of light or being an angelic and part of God's angelic host into the dark realm, okay? Into the satanic realm, which he heads up in his headquarters and so forth. So here we have it. We've got an aggressor and we've got a seducer. How many of you feel like at any one stage you've been lured or the enemy has come to you as a little bit of an angel of light? Anybody? Well, I don't know. Can't you, have you lived lives? Have you guys been around? We're going to get into it, and you'll find that the enemy has uh, tickled with your mind in, in some of these years. Okay. The raging lion approach. Can you say a raging lion? raging lion? 
it's obvious. It's obvious. It's obvious that the enemy is abound. It's intimidating, overwhelming. It's intense. And it's designed to do this. Number one, to weaken your confidence and undermine your faith in Yahweh, God. That's exactly the reason why it wants to knock you off your course. It's designed, number two, to wound you so that you feel that you can't recover. That's a lie. But you feel like you're damaged goods. Number three, it's to devastate your orientation. In other words, you don't know which way you're facing. It just spun around and spun around and it's spun around by every wind. You never saw it coming, but brace yourself. God says that you should be calm in the storm. You've been anointed. Remember we talked about the first anointing, the second anointing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Second anointing, the first anointing is the power of salvation. Causes you to maintain the course. Intrinsically inside of you, if I use this term, intrinsically inside of you, you're actually a winner. You can win through this. All right, the angel of light. The angel of light is much less difficult or it's, it's, it's harder to detect. And the Lord has spoken to me. I know there's some people in our fellowship here. You're sitting here this morning and you've got relatives and close friends and you've been duped by the enemy in this realm. So that's the word of the Lord. Okay, you've been seduced. Seduced doesn't always mean sexual counters or sexual appeal. It doesn't mean that. It, it means that you've lured into something to take you off your course, to muddy your destiny. It is, it is in the church today, but it's, it's, it's hitting on some of you. I know that because the Lord has spoken to me. Hence, it's what I'm saying. Okay, uh, this one here is like a strange drawing. It's like charming you. It's like a craft. It's pulling on your pride or, or felt need. And the idea is to take you from one position over to another. It's exactly the tactic. Don't catch this one. Watch this. It's exactly the same tactic that Satan used with Eve and Adam. This is it. He didn't come into the garden and say, hey, just give your heads up, man. You know who I am. Well, I'm going to bash you around and the generations to come, you'll have progeny and all sorts of stuff. I'm going to murder you. I'm a John 10.10 man on the scene. No, he didn't. He just came in the subtlety of the snake. Came like that. That's exactly how he came. Charm and worked Eve over and worked the abdication over Adam and duped them both. And the next minute they realized that they're naked, they're stark naked, and they sit and they hide themselves from the God. It's incredible. That's exactly how the enemy comes. Sometimes he's brutal. Sometimes he's obvious. Because when he's brutal and obvious, you get on the telephone, call and say, hey, I need some help. Can you pray for me right now? We're going for a hard time. You go to the pastor, the leaders, or the elders, or so forth, and say, hey, man, we're under it. We need. This has happened to my daughter. This has happened to my business. This has had the pressures on my marriage. It's like, wow, I just, I don't know what it is. I just feel like we're under attack. It's obvious. This one's not so obvious. It's subtle, maneuvering around you, giving you, remember I said angel of light, giving you a presentation that looks good. Satan knows how to present something. Demons, familiar spirits, through your bloodline, know how to come and present something that he did to your forefathers. Present idolatry, present an addiction, present in a nightclub, present another relationship. Work on you so you begin to fantasize about somebody else. Connect you with somebody else that you have no business even talking to. There's like a chemistry, a flirtation that's going on. What do you think is the spirit behind pornography? Do you think it's a roaring lion? I don't think so. 
I think it's the spirit of witchcraft, charm, seduction, luring people, luring a new generation through. It's an epidemic. I think some of the depression, well, you've got clinical depression. You're never ever going to come this. And it's just like the enemy begins to talk to us. We're no good. He doesn't come and say, hey, just to give you a heads up, look, I'm Satan. And I want to tell you, I hate your guts. And uh, I'm going to take you down. And you got depression. I'm going to flee. He doesn't, that's not exactly, that's exactly what he doesn't do. Masquerades, the Bible says. Presents himself, transforms himself into an angel of light. You feel down. You feel discouraged. You haven't got what it takes. You need to pull the pin, pull the plug, rather than coming into the body of Christ where there's refuge. At least the prodigal son had wisdom because he ran back into the father's house. Our father, which is out in heaven, we share him. We talked about that with our leaders last night. He's, he's our father, not my father. He's our father. He's personal God. He's our father, our dad, corporate body. Okay, so here we go. Dive right into the story. Mark 4, 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him alone in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. 37, and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. 38, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. Pretty cool. Imagine that. He's just cruising around with the Messiah and he's on his sleep. That'd be awesome. And they awoke. Oh, yeah. And they awoke and said to him, teacher, Sorry, let me go over to, uh, did I say that, 37? And a great windstorm arose, did I tell that? Okay. And the waves beat against the boat, so that it was already been filling. Verse 50, 38, but he was in the stern, asleep in a pillow, and they awoke and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then, verse 39, then he arose and rebuked the wind. It's interesting, he rebuked the wind, a spirit behind the wind, and said to the sea, peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm, verse 40, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I mean, there's one thing that God to say, or Jesus to say, how is it you have little faith, but now he's hitting them up, you got no faith. How is it that you have no faith in this storm? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be? that even the wind and the sea obey him. When adversity comes, it shakes. That's what it does. Trials shake. Financial hardships shake. And if your life isn't being attacked and shaken, you need to take some risks. You need to get out there. It's too little bit convenient and too little bit comfortable when you're out there on a limb because God has spoken to you. You're pushed out well beyond your resources, well beyond stretching point. That's faith. And that's what I believe when God says, will I find any faith? I think people that actually take risks and go places and do things that are absolutely extraordinary because they know they're God. And uh, Paul puts it this way. He says, outside was adversity. Outside, the circumstance, adversity, but inside were fears. So Paul's an honest man. He's saying, hey, my circumstance looked bleak. 
They looked bad. But inside of me, he said, was also, I was afraid on the inside. But then he goes on to say, but none of these things moved me. Paul, how do you do that? So your circumstances are looking bad, adversity, but inside were fears, and you're now saying none of these things move me? So in other words, the circumstance is not going to jolt me. I'm not going to be dictated to by the bleak circumstance. I'm also not going to be dictated by my inner world that says I'd rather freak and I'd rather withdraw. I'd rather be intimidated right now and fearful. I'm not going to be dominated by that. None of it shakes me. That is a decision that he made. Has to be because he's based on the Messiah, based on the solid right. You can only say that if you're connected into the vine. If you're connected, and that's a decision you make. I've had things that have come our way in times, and I've said to myself, that is not going to intimidate me. That's not going to make me afraid. I'm not going to react to that. I'm not going to respond in a wrong spirit, or I'm not going to be enticed by that. That's not going to lure who I am. That's not who I am in Jesus. But we are empowered to make those decisions. Now, in a, in a, in a, in a community, if you like, or a generation where, you, where we're disempowered and we're a victim, God says, no, I've empowered you. I've caused you to be an overcomer. You got born of the Spirit of God. You carried my DNA immediately. Immediately you have an overcoming attitude. You are winning on the inside. That's salvation inside us. We don't teach that much, that, but that's a revelation we've got to have. In the battle, we need two revelations. Number one, who we are. Who we are. And that's a question we've got to ask ourselves. Who are we? I think Jacob had an identity issue. Because he tried to rob his brother's blessing. Then when he's 80, he wrestles with the Lord, and the Lord says to him, the angel of the Lord, he says, who are you? Who are you? At 80 years of age. And the question we've got to ask us, who are we? What do we identify with? Do we identify with Jesus, the Messiah? Do we lose ourselves and visit at number one? Seek you first? Or we've got other stuff going on in our world? Other stuff is going to get shaken. It's a horrible message to preach like that. Other stuff will get shaken because God is going to refine us and take us through multiple storms to get to what he wants, to see if the image of a son Jesus is actually seen in us because that's what he's looking for. God the Father wants to see Jesus Christ in us. doesn't want to see pride. doesn't want to see the culture. We respect the culture and stuff, but that's not the number one. Accolades, praise, and influence is not the number one. It's good to have that at times, but it's not the number one. Being great at being a great musician or, or sports celebrity or, 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 or politician or having wealth or fame or fortune, all these things have their place, but they're not the number one. They don't, they don't, they're not the number one that keeps competing with our relationship with Jesus. It doesn't compete with our identity in Christ. So, number one, who are we in the battle? need to know that. Who are you? Number two, you need to know the authority that you have in Jesus. You'll see that in a little bit because how come they look to Jesus and Jesus had already given them authority? That's why Jesus is ticked off and says, where's your faith? Because in a few verses beforehand, he'd already laid his hands and said, I give you authority over. And now they're in the boat, waking him up, blaming Jesus, crisis. Don't you care, Lord? And Jesus rebukes the storm because it was the powers of darkness behind it because they're going to go into the gatherings where the gathering demonic is. And you follow the story. There's an actually a, a revival hits that area. It was like a seed sowing into that area. Who are you in the storm? A disciple, a follower of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand.
Now, I've got some good news for you. Say good news. Good news. It's found in the uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I don't know if we can get the NRSV, um, New Revised Standard Version, but here it is. It, it sounds it out well. Hey, guess what? Jesus is saying, or Paul's saying about Jesus, no testing has overtaken you. No testing. Some of these things are tests. That is not common to everybody. Sometimes somebody will tell me that what they're going through and say, I can relate to that. Your story is unique to you. It seems like you're going through even more pain than I was, but I kind of can understand a little bit. And now I'm beginning to get the feelings of Jesus, how he feels, empathy. You get too busy, you don't feel empathy. You've got to get some space, create some space so you can have feeling for people. And uh, But anyhow, no testings overtaken you that not as common to everybody. God is faithful. Can you say faithful? And he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. Here's the good news. Whatever you're going through, did you know God knows you can overcome that? That's the good news. You say, well, hell or high water and all these things that are going on around my life, God says that you can overcome it because he wouldn't allow you to face it if he didn't think you could get it, jump over it. It's amazing. The faith that he puts in him, in us. Yeah. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out. What is the way out? Has to be Christ. Has to be a path, the wisdom, the principles, and the revelation of the word of God. It might be a practical way out. It might be the fact that you're in uh, Uganda. It's a true story. And they've, uh, uh, up, uh, no, uh, Nigeria, true story, up north. And they've come, the herdsmen have come, uh, Islamic herdsmen have come and, and uh, to blow the, the village away and kill certain people in there and kill sons and daughters and little girls, blow them away. And you're thinking, man, I know that scripture that Jonathan talked about providing a way of escape. Rapture me now would be nice or provide some miracle intervention and uh, for me. But God will provide a way of escape if you look to him. that you may endure it. Difficult times, stressful times, anxious times, stretching times. Why do they come? They come to shake your foundation in God. They come to shake what you, what you hold dear to. They're going to shake your values. They shake the people around you, relationships around you. They come to shake your trust in God. They come to shake your identity and shake your security. Storms originate from number one. They originate because it's just life. Things just happen. It wasn't the devil, wasn't engineer, aired by the powers of darkness or the kingdom of darkness. It's certainly God wasn't in it. He will allow it to happen. He'll bring you through it. The Bible says by chance, by chance, a man was crossing the road. Good Samaritan. Sometimes see, things just happen. It's a matter of life. We don't get to pick it. We don't get to choose it. Sometimes it just happens. That's the way. The other way is it is the enemy. The Bible says an opportune time in Ephesians 6. He goes and comes back for an opportune time. It's like a day and a night where he orchestrates like hell on earth. It's like everything goes wrong on the Thursday afternoon. It's like, oh my God, you know, just am I even a Christian the way I'm feeling like this? And he comes, he knows what he's doing. And it's like he pounds you. It's like the Bible talks about an evil day. Sometimes things happen because we, we engineered it. Okay, so sometimes the storms of life happen. Proverbs 19.3 NLT, it says, people ruin their lives. 
by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. So there's three ways. Number one, it's just by chance. Things just happen. The car got a flat tire. Satan was not there. The demons were not there. The principalities over our tongue were looking elsewhere. They don't actually care about your tire right now. There are other things to be involved with. You got a cold, you got a flu, the kids got a sickness and a flu. It wasn't demonic. It's just because flus are going around winter. And you, it's just, we live in a broken community, in a broken a world, if you like, and diseases and infirmities and plagues and so forth. You got to understand there's a balance of this. So we don't become neurotic. Not everything gets blamed on the forces of darkness. But then there are sometimes things happen just by chance. There are sometimes things are of the enemy. There's a clear orchestration. There's a, there's a purpose in mind that comes with calculation. The next area here is sometimes people ruin their lives. Have you ever felt like you've done stuff wrong and you're reaping the consequence and the storms of life? You can almost predict they're coming. You think, oh man, this is going to happen to me. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have been there. I shouldn't have agreed with this. Man, what was I thinking? Oh my goodness. I can't retape it. It's just like, well, I shouldn't have invested in that. I should have listened. Should have listened. I didn't listen to them. I just, I put all this money into it. Oh no, man. Oh man, I got to go home and tell my wife. There goes the retirement fund, darling. These are very real things. The Lord watches and observes. Here's my question, right? How do you fear? Do you explode when everything around you is falling apart? Do you panic? Do you get the petrol? Become a drama queen or a drama king? And you get the petrol, and it's just like, oh my goodness, let me dump it on it, and it just like flares up in our face. You made it worse. It's like, had you not even got involved with it, it would have been at least okay, and finally it would go away. But you made the thing worse. Why did you ring? I told you not to ring. I told you not to say anything, and you went to said something. Now we're in the real pickle. It's a predicament. It was a pickle one moment, now it's a predicament. You shouldn't have said anything. You gotta listen to me. I'm not talking about my marriage, please. I'm just trying to surmise as we go. But honestly, it's a storm we've created. Well, son, if you hadn't driven down the highway there at 170 kg, we wouldn't have a smashed car. You can't blame it on the devil. The devil did not take the steering wheel. It was wet conditions. You hit aquaplane and you were walking in unwise and lack of wisdom. Don't blame it on the devil. Anyway, let's just go, let's just go on a little bit. We're getting there. We're getting there. Important point to consider is a thing called understanding. Can you say understanding? All right. I think that's what we need. Perspective. Perspective. Every storm we have, we're going to get through it. We have natural calamities. I remember the Manihikian storm by what I've read, and some of you have had brothers and sisters, and you know, you've, lost, you've lost loved ones through that. Some of you know, uh, understand that very well. There was a loss through the process, but the storm finished. You know what I'm saying? So storms themselves, and we've got to go back and pack it. We've got to go back and look at the damage, the catastrophe, the calamity that's happened through the process. But you'll find natural storms at some point, they will all come to an end. The Bible talks about in the fullness of time. It came to pass. So the battle you're right now in, even a marriage battle, sometimes you can, sometimes you can fear in your marriage, you're arguing, and all of a sudden you get hit with fear, thinking, oh my goodness, where could this go? And it's like a spirit comes around, fear, 
creates all sorts of delusional thinking and rocks your world a little bit and you get to worry, get anxious and you think, oh my goodness, you know, these are things that people, they feel. But you just got to hold your course. Humble yourself. Get on your knees. Reconcile the best you can and do whatever you can. Do those dishes, guys, like you've never done them before. Get in there. I know you've never used your tongue on them. It's not time to use your tongue on the dishes right now, but it's time to get in there and just sweep that floor like you've never done before. You've never done the, the towels and that. No, but I'm doing them right now. You know, it's just like get in there and serve and do whatever you can to make amends. But the enemy comes and strikes with fear. Exactly what he does to rock your well. Proverbs 17, 27. This is a key verse for us. I'd like you to learn this one. A man, and therefore a woman, a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. A man of understanding is of a calm spirit. When difficulty comes, trials comes, we see it through the lens now of God knows what he is doing. I'm belonging to him. So he's not going to allow me to go through a difficult patch, a lonely period, an isolated patch where I feel like I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life, all this sort of stuff. God is watching my response, and it's a trust time. Your heart is made perfect because your focus is made on him. It's not about denial, not about being passive. It's about who you trust in. How about your kids? You're worried about your teenage kids. Who do you trust in? I've prayed all I can pray, Lord, and prayed almost beyond what I can pray, but I'm going to trust you now. I put them in your care. So then we come to the Lord, not with parental care and concern. We come because God loves them. And we're going to pray our kids, our daughters or our sons or our grandchildren into the kingdom of God. You know what I'm saying? Or our parents into the kingdom of God. We keep pushing through like that. I find it interesting here uh, with the word of God, because when God said, let us cross to the other side, it's really interesting. That's exactly what Jesus said. Mark 4, 35, he said, let us cross the other side. So I'll, I'll, re, I'll, re, I'll redo the story for you, okay? The boat goes out. Jesus said, cross over to the other side. Let us come and cross over to the other side. Well, that's your faith right there. God said to you to go, so we're going to put our security in that. Then all of a sudden, midway, because everything starts off well. Have you noticed that? Marriage starts off well. Hmm? The business started off well. Everything starts off calm pretty much, but it's midway. How many of you heard the person say, well, um, I've got this job. It's everything I ever dreamed of. It's amazing stuff. It's uh, we paid the right amount, man, the bonuses, the structure. It's a great organization. There's opportunity for aspirations. And it's really good. I just like, wow, I love the job. I'm so happy. Two and a half years later, let's revisit. Talk to the same girl or guy. How was the job going? Well, actually, to be honest, it's not as good as I thought it was going to be. And I've got some, you've got some staffing issues here, but it's more than that that's going down. I, I'm, I'm unfulfilled. It's just like, man, I've got this tension. That I've been misunderstood here. The boss is looking at me the wrong way. I know there's a bit of banter and talk, and it's just like, man, I'm tired, and there's frustrations in it, you know, but hang on one moment. Go back, please. You said to me that that was the best job. And it's like it was cut out for you. God had opened that. God led you into that job. And now two and a half years later, because you've struck crisis, what God is leading you out, 
It's a test. It's a trial. It's a storm of life. Have you got what it takes? Faithful in the natural, faithful in the small, just man up or woman up or something and roll with the punches. It doesn't matter if people don't like you. It's not the end of the world. But you go through it and you will come out the better person always. Am I talking to someone today? <laughs> Let us cross. Okay, number one, real quickly, it's easy to walk stable and steady when there's no problems. Isn't it? It's like, hey, what a great day. Summer is happening right now. We've got Christmas presents coming. Have we? Uh, we've got Christmas trees. We've got celebrations. Some of you have had to look at your calendar to see if you can fit another event in because you're in the hot demand right now. It's beautiful weather. We've got a great economy. The tourists are coming. It doesn't look better. And you've got a holiday at the end of the year. And the rallies are coming in from New Zealand and Australia. We're in for a good time, all right? July 2023. Rain, five days. Your boss and you have had an argument for the second time now. And all of a sudden, you see, because we can't be dictated by emotions. They go up, they go down. They go in, they go out. They go hot, they go cold. We are not of those who shrink back. We walk by faith. It doesn't matter what the devil, hell or high water comes our way, we keep on going through and we don't look at the circumstances. People withdraw. People hide. People go back into their shells because they can't face life and face the difficulty. That is not who we are. We, we come up in the things of God. We, 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 he's our refuge and he's our strength, the pillar that we lean on and we go back him as our salvation, our healer and our deliverer. And did we not sing about it? Did we not praise about it? Did we not lift his name about it? No, sometimes we engage with it intellectually, but we've got to engage with it in our heart and say, yes, he is Jehovah Jireh. We're threatened with our job at the end of the year. They're saying we may not have a job. He's Jehovah Jireh. I'm not feeling his presence, but the Lord says he's Jehovah Sharma. He's with me. I've got some conflicts going down with media. Say it doesn't matter anymore because you walked in the humility of God and you walked in the wisdom of God and the counsel of the Holy Spirit. And what does the Bible say? He's Jehovah Nissi. He's the Lord thy God, who is the banner who fights for us. I think it's uh, Exodus 14, 14. It says, you shall hold your peace because the Lord will fight for you. Who are you in the midst of the storm? What are you connected to? We've got to make our decisions. You know, we've got to make decisions to break free and break these things away from us. Praise the Lord. I will skip here. It's easy to walk stable, isn't it, when there's no storm? Storms are unexpected. It's not like you could say, oh, uh, okay, hold that there. I will choose broken legs over cancer. Okay, makes a lot of good sense, perhaps. Or it's like, um, let's enjoy Christmas. Can you put the trial and the storm? We'll have it in February. That's probably a better season. And look, it, it happens on top of a crisis. It happens when you're tired. It happens when you're at your worst. It happens when you're, when you're down and discouraged and all of a sudden he comes again or it comes again. In other words, you and I don't get the luxury. I wish we could. I wish we could say, I'll let those, let those attacks come when we're retired. 
No, they come. They come on honeymoons. Supposed to honeymoon is supposed to be a great time. Sometimes people argue on honeymoons. It's like we've got the investments. Wow, it's all come through, and all of a sudden, money's fueled out of your account. Where did that go? It's like, you know, the enemy knows how to steal things around here. Uh, when I say around here, I don't mean around here. Please. We're not, we're, not in the, we're not in the midst of thieves. Okay, please. We don't detect there's thieves here. Providers, givers, and resource givers, and abundant people, and so forth, but not the other one. But if you know what I'm saying, unexpected. Just for those teachers here, there's only one time I found in the Word of God where actually someone was able to choose the calamity around their life. That was David the Psalmist. Do you remember that scripture? Yeah, 1 Chronicles 21.11. So God, after he'd taken the census of Israel, he said to Joab, his loyal, faithful leader, Joab's a really interesting guy, my goodness, and a manipulator, but he's right in there with David, a loyal guy, and uh, connived and maneuvered all sorts of things around with David, for David and stuff. But he said, hey, I don't think you should count the census because he was detecting, counting the census is basically counting all your armies and counting all your people because it was an act of pride. And the Bible says uh, that basically the enemy had come and withstood him. And so he got seduced and learned, let's count it all. Let's count it all. And so that's what he did. He began to count it all. And then the Lord says to him through a prophet, what you have done is wrong. It's an act of pride. And so he says this. So God came to David and said, these are the choices that the Lord has given you. Think about this. You may choose three years of famine, three months of destruction by the sword of your enemies, or three days of severe plague as the angel of the Lord brings devastation throughout the land of Israel. Decide what answer I should give the Lord who sent me. He's the only body. In other words, the Lord has never come to me and said, broken legs over cancer. What do you want? Uh, a hardship of poverty or um, you know, misunderstanding. What do you want? Now, sometimes it just comes. You can't tick the boxes. It comes. It's part of life. When panic happens, we tend to drop our authority in the heat of the moment. Yeah, man. Mark 6, 7, behold, I give you authority. Jesus says, where is your faith? In other words, this, hey, um, I should have been able to have a nap with the pillow in the stern. I, guys, I had already given you the authority, and that's exactly what happens. When we get hit with financial hardship, we lose our authority. We lose who we are as a king's kid. I'm connected to him. I have all the resources available for me. When we have a shaky marriage, we forget that no God caused us to live together in harmony and blessing and peace. So I'm not going to fret. I'll pray, but I'm not going to fret. Authority to cast demons out of authority over the, 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 the powers of darkness. So how do I put that in simple terms? Okay, so the, your next crisis right now it would be great for you to keep a humble attitude. Walk through the storm. Don't run away from it. Just walk through it. God is going to keep you steady in the storm. You keep your boat going. And then guess what happens? You take authority over what you can see. In Jesus' name, I resist poverty. I command poverty to go. Shortage and lack. I command it to go in Jesus Christ's name. Uh, what else can you do? I take authority over spirit of conflict, misunderstanding. I take authority over that in the name of Jesus Christ. 
No weapon formed against me prosper, says the Lord of hosts. So you're taking authority over that. Maybe you're, you're, you're steady a little bit and you're feeling all alone and feeling like, you know, I need to be married, man. And, or I need friends, a social network needs to bolster out. I, I'm feeling just alone in the things of God, whatever. You say, no, steady my course. So he's with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. You say, man, I've got a big responsibility. I feel like I'm going it alone. And nobody seems to understand. I've been misunderstood. It's like I'm doing the journey. And people love me, I know, but I feel like nobody's really coming to my assistance. We're going to hold our course. We're going to say, God, you're able to unlock resources and the gifting of helps in Jesus' name. This afternoon, I command help to come through that door in the name of Jesus Christ. In other words, it's you in the storm, you in the difficult times and the, the pressures that are there to assign to stretch us way beyond stretching point. You can be Christ in that with a God-like attitude, but also you command in the name of Jesus. When the resources aren't coming through for the staff, that's when you stand in the gap and say, Lord, you provided me staff. I remember the day that they came through. That was a miracle. All those people, I got five people to pay for, and I haven't got a brass rasu, no money this month. Lord, I'm going to stand in faith. I'm going to trust you where I can't trace you. I'm going to stand on the word of God. I can't feel you right now because all I'm feeling is fears and anxiety and worries and responsibility. But I'm going to stand on your word and I'm going to call the resources of heaven because you're Jehovah Jireh, the provider in crisis. Let's stand to our feet and give the Lord a shout. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website celebration.atonga.com. Until next time.